What's going on, everybody? <laughs> Welcome back to the Reason Report. I don't know. Episode 117. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, and that's been my fault because I have been having some medical issues and then other things coming around. And of course, this guy, he like probably doesn't care anyway. He don't give a fuck about you guys. I'm talking about cardiac. How you doing? Uh, I don't give a fuck about them now. I care about you. To the extent I'm capable of caring about other humans, but you know, the rest of them, nah, fuck that. Actively don't care. I wish for the, nah, <laughs> let me stop. Uh, doing all right. Good to be back. Actually, I'm taking a quick trip to Florida next week. So, ooh. So it's his going to be his fault next week that we don't record. See, we come right back for one week and then leave all over again because that's the type of. No, we'll still record. You probably won't see my face, but we can still record. Okay. I was just gonna like not record and blame you just to feel better about myself. But all right, <laughs> so he's gonna go the extra mile and do a uh, show for you guys. So I'm gonna show that I'm always on the throw ball. me under the bus. Thank you. <laughs> you know, showing how dedicated you are. The rain, sleep, hail, snow. Yeah, I I bring that up to say. Uh, you know, we're still in a pandemic, obviously, but more and more people are trying to get things back to normal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're not going to reach uh, Biden's goal, of course, for vaccination of 70, the goal of 70% by the 4th of July, as people are still very, very resistant. Um, we still have states that are like not really pushing it and they're like opening up their doors a lot more to people and not really pressing them to do so and we don't have that many states that have 70 percent i think the last i heard it was 16 states had reached the 70 percent but for the most part most states have been kind of lackadaisical so i'm glad you frame it that way because i keep seeing that headline you know we're not i've been seeing it i want to say about a month or so now more and more as we approach that uh, glorious July 4th date that L. Biden's not going to reach his goal by July 4th. Biden's not going to do this. I'm like, I don't really, I don't think it's fair to keep framing that as though it's his fault when it, the, the vaccine is readily available and pretty, pretty fucking easy to access for a lot of people in this country. I, I do think you need to put more of the, the onus for that on the people refusing to do it and all the political actors spreading lies and falsehoods about it that are, you know, further dissuading people from going out there and getting it. So I, I, I don't like the, the media keeps framing that as like a, some kind of failure on the part of the administration. I don't think that's fair to keep saying it that way. Or yeah. maybe it's not fair of me to claim that they're saying it that way, but I don't think they're giving enough context either. Well, of course, and that's probably going to be the uh, key word in this whole situation is context. Context, context, context. Clearly, people don't know how to put things in context. Um, it's just, wow, well, we'll get there. Um, so, 
there's been so much going on. Um, I didn't make a slate because I don't think I could catch up. Uh, we may have an infrastructure deal coming up. Biden says that there's an agreement for 1.2 trillion infrastructure, but we haven't really got the details yet. Um, Biden had his first major overseas trip where he went, was it the G12? I forget if this is G12 or G10 now. Um, felt like the G like 10 or 12 minus one when Trump was there because we weren't really a part of shit, to be quite honest, if you think about it, politically speaking. Um, but... Yes, there was that and the much talked about meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things, at least I heard during the coverage that they pointed out was like, you know, this is how we should be doing it. He went over, met with our allies first, which given the last four years and how our stance toward them has been under the previous President Trump, you definitely probably needed to do, but you should typically do is, you know, put your allies first and then went and had his talk with a somebody with whom we're we have a more adversarial stance in russia's leader putin i don't know how to look at some of the coverage around that i think some people are like yeah we're you know america's back as biden likes to say uh you know we're expressing some leadership we're trying to get back into communicating with our allies working together uh, they're, they're working together to put more vaccines out there to countries who don't have as much access currently. So it's good that America is part of that and helping lead that effort as well. Uh, hopefully they can do more on things like the environment. But you also see, I think some, I don't know how much there is, but maybe some negativity, like, oh, maybe Biden wasn't hard enough on Putin or whatnot, which I guess, you know, maybe that's just sort of like typical political coverage <laughs> to be fair. I mean, Typical Fox political co coverage, but overall, people felt like I guess we were supposed to like be like "fuck you, Putin," you know. I'm gonna fucking beat your ass and I'm gonna fuck you over or something. Like, I think he was as politically adversarial as he needed to be. Um, I don't know what the fuck people want him like. Do, do they want him to like smack the shit out of him, start a war or something? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I wanted to challenge Putin to a push-up contest, you know, but apparently uh, Biden doesn't listen to his constituents, whatever. Well, we kind of uh, don't want Biden to have a heart attack, so you don't want to want to push it. I, I get the man now. is in good shape and all, but Jesus Christ, let's not push it. Yeah. I was going to say we get President Harris, but yeah, I... I don't want to pretend that everybody is excited about that prospect. Well, no, see, this here's the thing. We don't necessarily want this president to get sick and die in office. Like we <laughs> did the last one, which was another thing that came out where there was news that there was a Washington Post article that basically gave a detailed tale of how it was more severe than what we thought when Donald Trump had came out with a uh, Corona and that it was an unexpected scramble and race against time to ensure that this man leaves. They weren't ready. You know, they weren't even ready to like inform Mike Pence to get him ready and obligated if he had to take over. It was 
pretty much from what uh, they made out a wild scenario of like just trying to keep this as under wraps as possible while trying to do everything with it humanly possible to keep this guy alive. Thanks for the effort. I guess. I, uh, okay, let's be honest. They did their job, which... Yeah, I'm not even... I'm only 100% understand, 100% don't blame him. Like, he's the president of the United States. It would be yeah. a derelict of duty and go against your job description. Even though the, the irony is that you're going all the fuck out for someone who could give a fuck less about the snake, you know, about doing things by the book and by the law and upholding the principles of the office and, you know, the rule of government. Like, that's the funniest and saddest part about this is that all this effort for someone who would probably wipe his ass with the Constitution if he was given a chance. Let's be honest. That would be a power move. <laughs> Let me not say that before I get in trouble and mess up my own future presidential run. But, I, you know, just heading back to the overseas trip real quick, I would just like to say, regardless of how, you know, positive or negative some of the coverage was, it was nice that none of it was embarrassing, at least. You know, I feel like when Trump went overseas to Europe, it was like, like being a parent to like a really shitty kid and then like watching that kid be shitty, but you're not close enough to like spank them or do anything about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's always a sort of air of like, you know, like having to like avert your eyes and cover your face when you watched him conducting himself overseas with other world leaders. So, you know, I, at least I don't think there was any of that. Uh, maybe that's a positive effect of the bar having been set pretty low nowadays, but I was happy. Yeah, I mean, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, the trade-off would be we get Mike Pence, and that might not have been that much better, so I hey, who the fuck knows? Yeah, the um, like I said, we're working together with the other nations to provide more vaccines because not everywhere is as 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 much access to the vaccines as we do. <laughs> so, and it is important that you know the entire world essentially get vaccinated. So I, it feels good to like be part of like an effort that's not shitty, as opposed to having a leader that's just like, yeah, fuck the world, us first, us only, eat a dick. Yeah. Yeah, it is very much nice um, to, like, at least give the perception that America is trying to live up to the whole um, reputation that they like to build for themselves. And I I appreciate, you know, I don't want to blow too much smoke up Biden's ass, but I do appreciate the way he talks about that sort of thing. Because I remember, I don't know if it was, like, his not address the union or whatever you call it that one speech he did but you know he talked pretty openly about 
race issues in America, for example. And I was listening to a bit of his uh, response to the media, I guess, whatever he, whatever speech he was giving after having talked to, to Putin. And, you know, he was like, look, this shit with Alexei Navalny, these human rights issues, like we're going to talk about them because we're fucking America. We're supposed to stand up for that shit. Maybe, you know, we didn't always do it perfectly ourselves, but over time we've gotten better and better. Like, you know, he didn't just talk about the American ideal of, you know, democracy and freedom and human rights and all that shit as if we've been perfect about it. And I kind of appreciated that sort of stance where you can acknowledge that we're not angels ourselves on some level, but we are, it is in our spirit and we're supposed to try and do better. And we're going to call out when you're fucking up too. Yeah. I think he's been consistent in talking about those kind of issues in that way. So. Yeah, no, it's getting better. And it's also causing a lot of uh, more flack. I'm glad you mentioned that because you've had a lot going on with the whole critical race theory thing. Um, people losing their fucking minds over the thought of the United States. Um, possibly having that as a part of the curriculum. States have moved before even any curriculum plans were made to block teachers from teaching critical race theory and other things like that. Um, it's been pretty fucking crazy. Like, really, really crazy. We just had a uh, general actually talk about how it beneficial critical race theory would be to use, you know, for the military, and then Fox News, as always, lost their shit. Um, it's funny, I just saw a clip today of everybody's favorite uh, person. I can't think of his name right now. All I can see is his ugly face. Uh, what's the name of the really crazy guy on Fox who has his own TV show? Uh, Carlson? Tucker yeah, Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Okay. Where he basically was like, the general's a pig, and He's disgusting for what he did and shouldn't be listened to. I'm like, wow. The party of like military and police are just calling everybody like the worst things in the world who they claim that they stand up for. Interesting. I, I do want to touch on the, the critical race theory issue, but you know, this... <laughs> That level of hypocrisy is certainly not new, not even in recent months, because we've been seeing their behavior toward the Capitol Police uh, in the wake of the of the, of the uh, riot on the Capitol. Not giving a shit about, I think, what was it? One of them refused to even like shake the hand of one of the Capitol Police officers. Like, yeah, they've just completely turned against those motherfuckers because... I don't know if there's a reason really <laughs> other than they kind of need to feed into the conspiracy bullshit and, you know, having actual police officers be on the opposition side is inconvenient. So fuck it, throw them under the bus. So I think going after that general by Carlson is just akin to what they've been doing with things like the Capitol police issue. Uh, 
as far as the, the critical race theory stuff goes, I think I sent you a message the other day. I said something like conservatives and really I meant conservative pundits like Carson, we let them control the narrative way too fucking much. Cause like, and you even heard of the phrase critical race theory up until like the last few months. Like who was even saying that phrase? Nobody. And even then, like in academia, like it's a it's a more focused thing. I believe it's it focuses more on, you know, racism built into legal structures and whatnot. It's more of a, a legal right. concept I would consider. Yeah, it's it, not just like a general how, talk like, about a racism. Lot of our rules yeah. and stuff can be traced through racial, like you know, prejudices. Which hey, newsflash, it ain't actually a new theory is just like that was mostly being talked about more in a more critical way if anything and the damages it, it, it's not new it's i think it's been around about 40 30 40 years like it's but i mean no even, even before that it's like come on what do you think brown versus education was things like that like we've you know had these issues arise in our legal system at the Supreme Court, all of that before. So it's just like now someone actually puts a name to it and writes a study of it and like everybody's losing their fucking shit. When I said, you know, 30, 40, I think it's 40 years or so. I mean like that phrase, like that specific Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, No, and I know what you're talking about. I'm just saying like, it's just weird that now all of a sudden even then, like you said, it's been 40 years since that actual term has existed you know now all of a sudden it's this big thing and like i said even before then you can trace back all types of stuff that's happened in our history and it's just like well people have been saying that shit since forever so why is all of a sudden now it's this big panic it's like i don't understand and that's what i mean by like controlling the narrative right because i i think conservative pundits like Carlton have latched onto the phrase critical race theory because it sounds like complicated and scary or something like it it has a certain sound to it that sounds you know both really serious but like also really elitist you know I I think they're very good at just taking something that might be happening somewhere and then blowing it up into this fucking massive thing, whether it's actually happening to that scale or not, usually not. And just kind of like fear mongering around it because, you know, to your point about them moving before any school actually enacted it, critical race theory is something you might talk about, like university, you know, like nobody in fucking middle Stop school. Stop saying that because you, you're about to make me make a really, really sensitive joke. Stop it. I'm going to make that joke anyway. No, it's just like the reaction is like them sounds like big words and I don't understand them. So I'm going to take them as an insult. Like, that's what it sounds like. Like, you fucking idiot. Like, what the fuck is critical? What the fuck is theory? Like, I don't know what that means, so I'm going to take that as an insult. Like, fucking, like, ah, redneck mentality. (laughs) We could talk about, you know, to what extent we should be talking about racism and whatnot in schools, I think far more than we do, which is pretty much none. Uh, 
but even just that particular idea, you know, CRT, it's like, you, you're acting like we're going to go out to middle schools and teach that shit when nobody's fucking doing that. Is that, I, I mean, maybe you could talk about like that 1690 yeah. project or something like that, but like nobody's really making that concerted of an effort to do something uh, like that, especially right, I mean, in lower level education. They've been allowing schools to teach black history during black history month for decades now. And like, of course, I'm much older, so it's been over 20 years since I've been in a public school system. But I'm pretty sure that it's not done to the depths like that are much more than what we got or to the depths where it probably should be. I mean, you probably could speak on it more because you've been like a little less far removed from public school to me. But as far as I know, it's not like when they teach black history, they're not even really talking about the racial stuff. It's like, you talk about the leaders, you talk about what they did to help fight racism, but you never go into like the minutia of like, just how fucked up the shit was for them to deal with. It's always just, you know, they were heroes and they did this and they were champions of this and they overcame. Like, Harriet you know, Tubman did that. And, you yeah. know, we live happily ever after. Nobody talks about, like, you know, the fact that she had family still in slavery while she was still trying to, um, you know, free other people. No one talks about, um, you know, oh gosh, why is his name forgiving me? The guy who just recently died, the uh, congressman. Um, I know his first name, John. I can't think of his last name, and I feel bad for that. Oh, uh, I feel like you forgotten threw me off. Yeah, <laughs> what I know. The fuck? That's so weird. Like I can see his face so clearly in my. I do. Uh, John wow, Lewis. This is Jesus. There you go. <sighs> yeah, John Lewis. Like we were to, nobody talks we about the about fact about that he like got his head bashed in while just marching or anything like that. Like we know that he was a member of the, you know, the civil rights movement and he became a like long-standing congressman. You know, we got the happily ever after. We never got the details of just how fucked up it was for him to get to where he got to. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I would, I would just like to say because, <laughs> because we were talking about Black History Month or whatever in school, I immediately started thinking about George Washington Carver. And then you yeah. like start, you start to like bring my mind over to you know John Lewis, and for some reason my brain kept saying John Carver, John Carver. I'm like, no, it's not. But that. no, I mean, <laughs> if you want to be honest, that's the stuff that we generally get taught. And look, not knocking George Washington Carver, or you know, um, you know the W. D. Du Bois stuff and all of that, all the people that they teach us in school, but. They never fucking get to the real like heart of like the hard part of black history. It's always like, you know, black people have done so much for this country. They've invented this, invented that, invented that. Cool. You never touched on the struggles that they had to get to get, you know, be able to be recognized. You never touch on like the civil when the civil war is talked about in history, it's really, really dumbed down, <laughs> you know? And I, I I could say me growing up, I remember partially in Georgia, 
it was all of mostly about you know it was a fight of brothers against brothers and all that they tried to make it sound like oh it was just a sad time we just couldn't get along with each other and it was very very harmful to the nature it wasn't like yo yeah us white people down here was like fuck you we want to keep slaves and fuck you up in the northerners or anything like that you know you never get it taught like it's never it's always kind of forgive me for using the term but it's always whitewashed down to something that's a little bit more polite than instead of like as honest as possible, as factual as possible. And at least that's how it was always felt like to me as I got older. I, I, I think there's two things I want to touch on there uh, before I hop onto the education bit, because I do think that's a serious issue. You know, the reason I bring up, I keep saying specifically the phrase critical race theories, because I do, you know, again, conservative commentators like them, like Carlton on Fox or just people in social media land, they control the way we talk. Cause like notice that I have to keep saying critical race theory. And the only reason I'm using that fucking phrase is because they're using it and they've kind of turned it into this boogeyman. And now I have to use it in response to their commentary, right? And you see this all the time. Sometimes, you know, us liberal people, I, I say me and the other assholes. Sometimes we feed it to them, like with, like with a defund the police shit like that. Like once they find like a phrase or something that's kind of useful, they'll latch onto it, they'll spread it out. And then the rest of us have to start using the same language because they've become so insistent on it and we're responding to them. You know what I mean? So they're very good at sort of controlling the language specifically, but also kind of the tone. Because I, th- I also think like a lot of people are just sort of defending like, well, we should be talking about blah, blah, blah. And it's like, to me, you've already kind of lost the battle because you, you've allowed them to define <laughs> define the parameters by forcing us to use that phrase. You know, same thing with like defunding the police. Like you've kind of lost that media battle because you were kind of so insistent on like sticking it to them like well we should be like doing something about the police that you didn't correct them whenever they said what you know when when somebody said defund the police you should have been like going after it and be like what we really mean is do xyz not just being like fuck you police lovers (laughs) there's just there's something very irritating yeah about the the fact that i feel like saying that too just reminds me of how much shit obama got for pointing that out and it's like look at it now like how effective has that shit been? Because it got swamped by the negative like iteration and it just ended up being a non-factor. Like and I I don't know if I should keep saying we all the time, but like I feel like we liberals are always kind of losing in this sort of media communication battle because people like Carlson are just so honed in on like, what's going to fucking rile people up and get people emotion and all that shit. I I just feel like, I don't know if winning is the right word. You know what I mean? But there's, there's something asymmetrical about the communication styles between the left and the right in this country. 
yeah. that really seems to, to lend itself to the right. Like, I don't, I don't think we ever really do a good job of combating these fucking issues just on talking points. Uh, I, I, that's what I see CRT as, because like now that phrase is all over the place and I specifically blame conservatives because of their scaremongering. So even if you want to defend it, you still have to use that phrase. Oh, the point of education, though, which you were, you, you were focusing on there. I feel like history in general is really badly taught in schools. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I remember feeling this way when I was, I guess, coming out of high school because, you know, I had back in college, I had taken a course on like Japanese history. You know, don't ask me anything now. But I, like, when I took that, cl- that course, just like electively, I was like, man, I didn't realize that we don't learn anything but like American history, like, which is weird because America is so young compared to these other countries. So that was like the first time it like crossed my mind. And then I would read a couple other books. I wish I could remember the name of it. I can never find it, but it was this book that focused on Native American culture prior to, you know, the colonies and shit getting here. And that was the first time I realized like, man, the history we talk about in this country always starts essentially in Europe or if not in Europe, at least with the arrival of white people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it yeah. just kind of, it's, it starts after the brown people essentially. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's a, a framing issue, I think, as far as like focus, but the way we talk about history and politics, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school is super fucking lazy (laughs) that not just about around race issues but i feel like year after year i just kind of i don't think i have to take history every year but like the few times i did it's just like well you know we threw some tea in the harbor and then the fucking redcoats came and then we told them to fuck off you know put together our little declaration of independence (laughs) blah 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 some shit happened civil war and then, you know, people always talk about like the brothers on, you know, either the Confederate or the Union side or whatever, having to like fight each other because for some reason that's just like such an interesting little idea to people that like family members were in disagreement and had to fight each other, whatever. <laughs> where do we go from there? Usually somewhere around like the civil rights era because we could talk about like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. So we usually like hop from like civil war, like right into civil rights like 1960s 50s yeah and then we just got to you know we talk a little bit about desegregation and shit like that and then we just got to stop like we don't even we don't even go right. it, a- like i said it, at least for me i can tell you it was mainly just about teaching us the things that black people had done that were really really cool yeah like you know oh, yeah in, in black history month we focus on that but like I, i'm just saying like these specific points in like american history like the only oh yeah thing no the civil touch. war and even then, no if it, you're talking about american history, like again for me growing up american history wasn't even talking about i martin luther king you only spoke about martin luther king during black history month you know what i mean like it wasn't a part of none of the the civil rights movement wasn't a part of regular curriculum it was only like Black History Month. Like the history of the 60s and 70s is glossed over so much, not even the Vietnam War. 
is given any like thing. It's like, yeah, we, this happened. It was a tragedy. Move. Like, and literally, the 50s through the 60s, anything um, post-World War II, I say up until the 80s for me, was kind of all just jumbled together. <laughs> I guess I, yeah, I forgot to mention the World Wars, you know, so... <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. We hop into fighting Germany and shit. And then, you know, depending on how you want it. And I get it. It's just like these really, uh, what do you call them? Like touch points throughout history that even they don't really get that much detail. And I, I, growing up, especially going through college and after that, I always thought, you know, this is a problem in and of itself because I didn't. For example, as far as like political engagement, I was like, you know, as a younger person, it's like, it's kind of irritating, like, oh, older people talk about us, like, we don't give a shit about politics. It's like, well, you certainly did not instill that as a value. <laughs> like, we never talked about politics in school, except for like one, uh, what do you call it, civic, civics education class or whatever it's called. And you don't talk about like modern politics with us. You just talked about like, so here are the three branches of government and that's about it. I can't remember them really telling us anything else other than there's three branches of government. <laughs> like, even when you covered politics, it was sort of like in this vague historical context that you didn't really seem to care much about after that. And then you never really spoke to us about modern political issues or anything, anything like that. So like, it's like, why would you assume general public should be engaged? You don't even pretend to value that in schools when you're teaching it to children. Yeah, like, in, like I was saying, I kind of get it. But it's sad because at least thinking back to like, you know, the way history was taught when I was growing up. I don't know if you got the same sense that I get now, but it seemed like they mainly wanted to focus on things that reminded you of how great America is and how badass America can be rather than giving you an actual history lesson on the country. Because like I said, like a lot of the main focus was like World War II and before. Like, and even then, when you think about the focus, they picked and choose like the American Revolution is probably the most romanticized moment in American history. I think most of us can say that because there's a hell of a lot of emphasis on that in our historical um, education. World War II would probably be the second, in my opinion, you know. Um, and then from there, it's like, you know, you could pick and choose different glorious moments, but like things like the Civil War, the things leading up to it isn't really given a lot of, um, you know, merit, like you get as you get to maybe deeper history classes, like if you probably got to AP classes, you might get a little bit more on things like, you know, Harper's Ferry and, you know, um, you know, Nat Cole um, and all of that. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, not Nat Cole, um, shit. Nat Turner and things like that. You know, you might get a little bit more about reconstruction 
and things like that. But they don't dive as deep as they do into the like key romantic moments of American history. So you don't really necessarily get a sense of the history of this country. You get an overview of the things that make this a cool country and why you should love it, in my opinion. I, and this could be a memory problem. I guess I don't remember feeling like our history was romanticized so much as glossed over with a sort of weird disinterest. Like, like it felt like they kind of just told us a little history because we they had to. Uh, I remember like one particularly passionate civic sense teacher or whatever, but that's about it. Like, and yeah, I, to be fair, I could say that about some other subjects too. Like I do feel like evolution, for example, is taught really fucking lazily, especially after, you know, growing up and taking it upon myself to do more reading. Like, except those like, yeah, it's not that shocking to me that some people don't believe in the theory of evolution, considering how again, fucking lazy it is taught in science classes in high school and middle school. Uh, but, but again, I, I had thought about this as just sort of a general problem in terms of how we teach. You know, until recently, because we've been talking so much about uh, race issues as they're built into institutions that were built up throughout history. And, you know, people are learning more about like the, uh, the Tulsa massacre. Uh, I think I think I've... <laughs> I was I was watching uh, that things Will Smith is doing on Netflix. I think it's like about focused around the Fourteenth Amendment, and he had referenced like the Chinese massacre. And I remember I, I sent you a message. It's like, well, there's another massacre in American history that I'd never heard about. <laughs> and it's it's been making me think a lot about how yeah, like history in general is lazily taught in America, but. Racial history being lazily taught has some severe consequences. And I think one of those consequences, for example, is in how we talk about the idea of terrorism. Because, you know, grow, you know I was a kid during 9-11, the uh, social fervor around it in the country was, you know, there was, there was a lot of focus on the Middle East and the terrorism uh, being spawned there. And I'm just kind of like looking back at the history, you know, somewhat through these documentaries, somewhat through reading and whatever. I'm like, man, we've had a lot of atrocities on American soil that you ought to be considering acts of terrorism because they objectively were. You know, you talk about the, the Tulsa race massacre. Why did they do that? Yeah, it's just to kill black people in general, but also to kind of like stick it to them. You know, they were they were doing relatively well economically in the area, politically in the area. They did that to hurt their political and economic success and scare them from, you know, keyword being scared them from trying to continue that. And you see that with many other race massacres throughout American history where in a lot of places like black people or in the case of that Chinese massacre I just mentioned, Asian yeah. people might be like starting to build up some strength in their community uh, having elections, doing shit like that, you know, starting to like progress in that local area and then a bunch of white people would just come and murder them. <laughs> and it, it occurs to me looking at that and looking at, at the, um, you know, the insurrection and the language around that, that 
I think us failing to talk about that historically as a bad influence on how we talk about things today, like where we don't really use the term terrorist to describe what happens domestically. As perpetrated by white people too. So maybe that's some of that is just some media bias and how we talk about it. But I just thought, man, there are so many horrific murders in American history, just massacres that happen. And we don't know about fucking any of them. And I don't know, it, it just gets me thinking because I, you know, a few years back when you had Colin take Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick, excuse me, uh, you know, taking that knee and all these people getting mad. And I remember a, a, some friend saying like, you know, something, something like, they're essentially like the other side's version of the KKK or something like that. Some stupid, outrageous thing that they had said some years ago. And like looking back at the history, I'm like, you know, I think part of the reason people are able to say shit like that is because we don't have a really good historical sense. Like most people don't have a good historical sense of like how fucking horrific it was back then. And not just the KKK, right? Because I think a lot of people, and you know, this goes back to the point of like talking about history in schools. I don't really remember covering the KKK that much in school. No. Like maybe there was like some image of like some hooded white people or something, but I don't remember talking about it in any detail, but I've, you know, I've like gone back and like, I think maybe even that, that Smith thing on Netflix might cover it a little bit too. But I think a lot of people's sense of like the KKK is like, all right, once upon a time, there was some white people who like to dress as ghosts and like they went out and killed black people sometimes or, you know, put a burning cross on like a black person's lawn if they kind of moved it. Like they have like a very vague and I think, underplayed sense of how much murder that group managed to pull off that's issue number one and issue number two i think a lot of people get the sense that like only the kkk ever did shit like that right whereas yeah you had a group called the kkk and people who were passionate enough to be part of it but that level of racial violence was not exclusive to the kkk it happened a lot of places with a lot of people who were not KKK members. You, you can find images of like black men being hung from trees and then a bunch of white people coming out like it's a county fair and like taking pictures and smiling with the bodies in the trees. Like it's not just KKK members, it was. Yeah, like the society, to your society point you made large. before, what do you think the Tulsa riots were? It wasn't a KKK event, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these were just motherfuckers who lived in the town near those black people who hated seeing black people proper. They they went to fix that in their minds. Like right. And as I'm as I'm like thinking of that and like you know reading and watching shit around that, I, I again I think back to that person who had said who had compared BLM to essentially the KKK and I, you know, like connected that memory to some of the more recent stuff I've read. I'm like, man, I didn't realize just like how inaccurate a sense of the racial violence in America, not, not even just they have, but I, I had to, you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of Americans, myself included at the time, really underestimate how much violence and death happened on American soil throughout, because of race, race issues. To the point where somebody could honestly, you know, I do think it's wrong for him to have made that comparison, but I could kind of see why you would do it because I don't think you have an accurate sense of like what the KKK yeah, was. Nobody understands. Yeah, no, because like we really don't have that deep of an understanding 
of the history of the KKK. Like, if you really like, we just know it's a bunch, like you said, it's a bunch of people who dress up like goats and kill and harass black people. Um, like, no one really understands the depths of that organization, like, why they exist, how they came to exist. Like, as I got older, I learned a lot of that stuff, but yeah, nah, it's, it's very much a lost, like, part of American history. Really? I mean, even the fact that they were violent, right? Like, because I, I think part of the reason he was able to say that is because I think he just saw them as like, they were a group and they were racist. <laughs> and, you know, when the, when the narrative about BLM is essentially that they're racist, like, yeah, like, it suddenly clicked to me, like, I think I could finally understand how it is you come to such an irrational fucking conclusion. I, like, not having a proper sense of history really fucks with your perception of things. Yeah. Because I, I remember making a funny point, you know, so, like it was years ago, somebody had put it like a, a post on social media because at the time, I think it was in Florida, there was some article about some teacher who would hit a student and they're kind of like going off like, oh my God, the world's fucking terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just kind of posted something. I think it pissed them off, but I was like, you realize striking children was perfectly normal in schools not that long ago, right? Um, we had a teacher, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to get her in trouble, but she used to have this ruler that she would smack hands with. <laughs> it was common. Like, it was a common thing. This was like in the 80s, y'all. <laughs> this person was my age. So I was like, I remember thinking back then, like, you're, you're talking about like the world, like it's going to collapse. It's like, if anything, this is evidence that it's gotten better because it's not that long ago that a teacher hitting a student would not have been news. It would have just been, you know, Wednesday or whatever day it was that that article was posted. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah like again not having a proper historical context to weigh things against i think really fucks up your perception in the present I, I use that as like another more minor example yeah and i think that's why people are pushing for the critical race theory thing um because you should understand where you come. That, and, and again, like, like I said, from my perspective, it's always been sort of a romanticized thing. But like, take that opinion away. You should want to understand as much as possible of history so you don't fuck shit up again. It's just like some, I remember when I was reading something and someone were making a comment on it, they were like, yo, how is it that Germany has no problem discussing how fucked up like they were as a country and acknowledging how fucked up you know their past was and having open discussions about it but we can't even talk about like some of the simplest things here associated with our history like we're so we're so afraid and it's just like I've been tr trying to, um, actually, before I even touch that, let me, let me just say this, because I, I kind of brought up the thought and didn't finish it. Uh, it, it. Part of the issue with like the massacres that happened throughout American history to kind of stop people of color from gaining, you know, economic and political power is, you know, growing up, I remember, especially conservatives would always make this argument like, all right, you know, racism was shitty or whatever. 
<laughs> racism is shitty, but you know, we've gotten better at like now, economically speaking, you guys should be uh, gaining more economic power. And part of the reason you guys, I say you guys isn't like people of color, are just because you, you make bad financial decisions, blah, 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 blah. And I, I think one of the things you could say to combat that is point out that throughout American history, when communities of color started gaining political and economic power, people came in and killed them, right? And that kind of <laughs> knocks off the train of progress there that they would, that, like if that didn't happen and you fast forward 50 years later, 100 years later, depending on where you're talking about, to now, that area would be far more prosperous, I assume, assuming like nothing catastrophic happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The upward trajectory of communities of color historically gets disrupted by, in some cases, like an actual act of terrorism. And, and not just in terms of killing the people, but in scaring them from trying to, you know, seek public office, scaring them out of trying to, you know, vote better than last shit like that. So like, again, that's another point of context where you can't just keep saying like, oh, all right, now that things are more equalized or whatever, if, if people of color aren't economically stronger, it's a matter of decisions of when there's so much damage along the way that hampered their ability to make that sort of social progress and uprising. And again, yes. I, if you don't know the history behind that, I can see why you might jump to the conclusion that it's a matter of purely bad financial decisions. And yeah, it's like you, it's so weird to hear them scream and yell about this. And then, like, you see votes being made to suppress voting in minority areas. Like, you're trying to tell me that we're making shit up about how there's this, like, systemic problem within the American, like, government where they do things that are racially motivated. And then you vote to like say like you know take away voting rights in people's areas. You take away polling places in largely minority areas, so that they have to travel halfway across the city. But we're making everybody's making all this shit up to make white people feel bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, like seriously, uh, it, it, it's a very it's it's so fucking weird. And like, you know, Tucker Carlson going off on the general who during a um, hearing was like, yeah, we want to have critical race theory um, discussed in the military because it affects a large majority of our military force. And it helps us understand what we can do better and how we can make things like better so that we have a more, you know, equal um, and fair system so we won't be fucking over people in the military, like our soldiers and shit like that. And it's like, they're harassing him. You got Tucker Carlson calling him a pig and stupid and all of this. Like, you know, the people who anytime let a liberal say the military makes too much money, they're screaming like, you hate America, you hate the military. You call this guy a pig for saying, like, you need to treat people better. What the fuck is that? You know, it's, or like you mentioned the um, cop 
who wanted to shake the guy's hand and let him know, like, yo, you are voting against a hearing on people who tried to kill me. And dudes is like ignoring him and they're calling him names and shit like that for what he did and stuff like that. It's like, yo, this motherfucker saved all y'all goddamn lives. And you can see him like this because he wants y'all to like do right by him after he did right by you. The fuck? Like, I've been trying to look up this phrase. I, I was listening to this. I can't remember what the podcast was. It might have been Chris Hayes's. Um, but they were talking about some of these issues. And the guest, he, he was speaking about, you know, following the Civil War after the, uh, after the South loses. You have these group of people who start trying to essentially shift the narrative, you know. That's where you get ideas like, you know, slavery wasn't that bad. A lot of the slaves were, you know, grateful and taken care of and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's where you get the narrative that, you know, it, it, the war wasn't even about slavery. It was about states' rights and shit like that. I, I feel like there was like a group of people who actively tried to reshape the narrative around this. I can't remember exactly what they were called. And that's driving me crazy because the guest did name them they have like a specific name that's pretty on the nose that lets you know like this was their goal but uh i, I thought about it because you mentioned you know germany not having this issue i don't know what the history of germany's uh social discussions around things like the holocaust is if there have been how how dedicated any actors have been to like you know spreading lies and falsehoods but i think one of the challenges in america is like for a long time there were people who very purposely miscommunicated issues and tried to like, you know, uh, what's the, what's the term? Oh my God. I'm forgetting all the terminology in the world today, but you know, essentially they, they, they intentionally messed with our perception and like told these lies to the point where now, you know, decades later, people don't even have to do it intentionally. Like a lot of people just kind of grew up with the narrative that like, it wasn't about slavery. It was about states' rights. Uh, it's not racism. It's heritage. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if people nowadays still go with the whole racism wasn't that bad anymore. Um. Yes. Maybe some they of the do. more outlandish older people do, but like yes, I don't know anybody in my they, age group yes, who says they that. They do. Um, I think it's changed a little bit now because. I think the argument now, especially as time goes on, and you have people like. Let's be honest, compared to what they were, people are in a lot of, I, I just remembered they had a black doctor get up doing a critical race theory talk. And he was like, I can't understand why we have to keep talking about this stuff. I have a medical degree. What does critical race have to do with anything if I can get a medical degree? It doesn't make sense. To talk about it. and I'm sitting there like do you really just say that like look things are better you are able to see black people in more prominent positions but let's not be foolish into thinking that you know it's all hunky-dory you know like come on yes there are a lot more opportunities afforded than there ever was but there's still a lot of like you know things that can trip you up that are that can trip up a lot of people 
and you know, the opportunity to make it is still critically harder for minorities than it is for white people. That's just the way it is. And to your point about like whether people are talking about like you know slavery wasn't that bad or anything, I think the narrative goes now is like you know to that doctor's point about well I'm able to become a doctor so it can't be all that bad. It's generally like it can't be all that bad if A, B, and C can happen. You know, if you got rich black people, clearly it ain't all that bad because black people were rich. Now, you have rich black people now, whereas you didn't back then. Or stuff like that like what well you clearly can own houses now even though it's harder for you to get a house you know but you can get a house so what the problem is it's it's kind of like you know if you are able to get something then clearly that's a sign that it can't be hard or there isn't a problem you know which it's it really doesn't work that way but that's just kind of how the it's the narrative, at least in my mind, is coming. Yeah, there are people who still, you know, push the false narrative on um, the past and stuff like that. It's funny because as you were talking about the Civil War and all of that, and I was thinking about what I was saying earlier about how they taught stuff um, when I was a kid. I actually remember as an adult, like, okay, so I used to work at Arlington Cemetery. Um, and at Arlington Cemetery, there is a memorial within the cemetery, which is a memorial itself. Um, Robert Lee's house. Now, I'll go into super details, but the reason why Robert Lee's house is in Arlington Cemetery is because Arlington Cemetery was created by one of his former best friends who hated him for going to the South. And when they were looking for a place to bury fallen soldiers, he sees Robert Lee's house, which was in Virginia, Northern Virginia, and turned it into a cemetery out of spite. And that's why his house is still there because he wanted to make sure like, you know, <laughs> he felt that shit basically. And the house has been preserved because, you know, you know, it's a, it's a part of the history of the place. Every year though, there is a society called the Daughters of the Confederacy that come to the house during his birthday. And I was actually there on his birthday one day. And it, oh my God. And they come there to honor Robert E. Lee for being like, you know, the Patriot of the South and stuff like that. And when they talked about him and stuff like that, I had to sit there and like, listen to this shit. And it was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And the whole thing is like, you know, yeah, these are for, you know, we're the daughters of people who fought for their land and, you know, they were just fighting for their rights and just to, like, you know, fighting for their homes, you know. They weren't doing anything wrong. They just wanted to protect their land and their home. And they just wanted to honor, like, you know, their birthplaces and stuff like that. And it's like, that's not what you were really doing. Like, you were rebels. You fucking are the daughters of traitors who started their own government because they didn't want to follow the rule. They didn't want to risk losing slavery under the like law. Um, so they betrayed their country and they started their own within another country. Like, but it's still to this day, and this is like back in the early 2000s. I'm pretty sure they still exist now. 
but it just goes to show you like it's still a weird like willfully ignorant view of how things were that still exists in society today I definitely know it was, it was Chris Hayes' podcast this time for this other issue, but he had this, uh, I guess he was a poet or something writing on this kind of thing. And he, he had said something that at, at the time I was like, well, duh. But after I kind of sat and thought with it for a moment, I realized how profound it was. He was making the point that, you know, essentially we talk, we talk about like history as if it's just something, you know, we learn from a textbook or something, or we get through just, you know, archaeological analysis and shit like that, when for a lot of people, history is much less formal than that. It's something, you know, your family talks about it, especially if you're talking about like your own cultural history. And he, he was like bringing this point to bear on like a lot of these people with like these, uh, you know, you know, these Southern white people with ties to the Confederacy. And he's like, you know, it's not they just like learn their history from like a history book. They live in this culture where, you know, stories have been passed down from grandparent to grandchild, so on and so on for several generations. So for them, the history is more of like a series of stories that you might've heard from your grandparents or something that they heard from theirs or however far back that you would have to go. And because of that, it kind of has this coloring, right? Of, of like, of course, they're going to present themselves like, oh, like, we were just proud, we were soldiers, we were fighting, blah, blah, blah. Your grandpappy, you know, he fought and blah, blah, blah. Like, they, they have this rosier depiction told to them as children. I, I think that's part of it, too. It's like, they're told these stories, these narratives from older family members whom they love as just these sort of stories that in some cases aren't even true, Uh or, you know, as we all do when we're telling stories about ourselves or our, or our loved ones, have embellishments and whatnot. And, you know, he made the point, like a lot of them have these deep emotional connections to these things because, you know, he told a story about this dude uh, and he, he has these memories of like his grandfather, whatever, taking him to like one of these kind of cemeteries and telling him these stories and, you know, like this really rosy picture of, uh, you know, like the, when the wind would pick up and the leaves would blow in the summer, like this really romantic picture. And he made the point that's like, there is a, an emotional connection element to, to the way these people grow up learning these stories that we never really reckoned with. Because you, you're kind of inclined to just talk about the facts of the history without really dealing with the fact that that's not how these people learned the history. They learned it from like their uncles and aunts and grandparents in like these really personal ways and it, it was like it was like a lesser um example but i think chris brought up i think he was talking about like italians or whatever maybe it's like some italian family members or something uh but it was a discussion about like christopher columbus and he he, he noticed after like having a discussion with these people it's like you guys are like weirdly defensive of him but you don't really seem to give a shit about him per se you just kind of have this familial cultural tie to being Italian. <laughs> and for some reason, Christopher, defending Christopher Columbus is being swept up into that for you. So like, I don't know how you detangle, you know, the, the familial cultural attachment that these people grew up with from like the actual facts of what fucking happened. 
Yeah, it, it gets very, very hard to do that because, yeah, they're, it's really like, it's just the perspective. That's the best I could, way I could put it. Like, it's all really about the perspective and how it's broken down. Like, they really have a, and it's, a, it, it's part of, it, it kind of bleeds back into your whole point of, how Republicans are so well at controlling the narrative of things because the perspective in which they frame things just makes it like all seem like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you? You don't, you like, it's not the way that you see it. It's the way we see it. Um, and it seems like liberals struggle to explain themselves on it, which bothers the fuck out of me, because like it shouldn't be that hard. But I guess part of the problem is liberals are always trying to frame things in a way where they don't necessarily like offend other people. You know, like how we're always getting the hey, we gotta have partisan blah 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 type things on issues, you know, or else it won't I, work. I think it's a mix. Cause sometimes I do think there is that struggle to explain oneself, especially when you're locked into parameters like that. But I think sometimes they act like it's beneath them to explain things. Like, you know, I hate to bring it up again, but like the defund the, the police thing. There were people who I could tell didn't necessarily agree with that phrasing, but like, or to me, like there were people who really believed, you know, the idea of reallocating funds some way from policing toward adding more other things. But they, they would kind of act indignant if like some a conservative was like, why you want to defund the police, blah, blah, blah. Like, like they didn't seem to think it was it was worth taking the time to like actually explain what you mean. <laughs> Cause you you're just some like racist person anyway, so what the fuck who cares? And, and I, 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 don't, I don't know who it was. That's very, very harmful to the narrative too, because it's not even that. It, I don't even think that's part at least for me, that's not the problem. The problem is the way that it's brought is that like, and I agree in a lot of cases, it's more of stop being stupid. You know what this means. So they're able to switch that into a, well, you're insulting me because you're saying that I'm stupid or I'm being stupid. And, you know, kind of are, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to fight someone who has the position of feeling insulted in the public eye. You know what I mean? It it's kind of goes back to what I was saying, like about the, like you said that the critical race theory, that sounds like something like in big words and smart. So I'm gonna take that as an insult. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who said it, but I, I was listening to some coverage the other day and they were making the point that as far as like communication wise, it might've been better instead of saying defund, which means to take something away. If you would focus the narrative on being, you know, add mental health services, you know, those kind of people to come on site. Like his critique was essentially that when you were communicating this, you could have framed it as something you were adding to society as opposed to just something you were taking away. And 
know, when he said that, I was like, I could kind of see what you mean, because while in concept, that is what they wanted to do. I don't feel like they often express that out loud. You know, <laughs> it was sort of like this combative stance you took toward police and wanted to take away their abilities to do things. And you're like, yeah, I think a lot of them meant that they wanted to, you know, allocate those funds to better use things to, you know, community-based uh, mitigation techniques. But that is not the way I, don't, I think most people heard it. It's not the way I heard it either. Because I remember having that conversation with you back then, like, when I said, I heard the phrase defund the police. I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that there's just like a real challenge on the left as to like really. I don't know if controlling the narrative is the right way to say it, but like effectively communicating like this is just something about them where like I feel like they lose the messaging battle all the time, even when they have the right idea. They can't seem to effectively communicate it to anyone. Yeah, I, and it's frustrating because it's like this is something serious, and this is something that like I think a lot of us feel like needs to be done, but the argument has just been boiled down to something so stupid that. Uh, as far as like you know, teaching the race in school, I I think you know my discussion there about like how you know, white people with Southern roots learn the history is probably another argument for why we should teach race better in school yeah. because like it, like it's kind of, when I when I listened to that guy talk, I was like, yeah, you know, it is kind of, not just because I'm black, but like it is kind of easier for me who did not grow up with any such cultural ties to our, you know, family cultural ties to the traitors to talk the way I do because I don't have any actual emotional attachment to them. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Like my upbringing doesn't have this sort of linkage through several generations of my family that theirs does. And you can't just suddenly go from like nothing to telling them that their entire family history is bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But that's the thing. It's not like you're telling them that their family is bullshit. It's just you're trying I mean, to wake people narratives up. Narratives that they're family. But you know, I'm just saying, I think part of the problem is you're trying to wake people up to admit that, yeah, there's some shit that comes from the past that really was not cool when it comes to my ancestors. It's just like, you know, say I was to go back into my lineage and to find out that I was actually what most of us like to call us, uh, call ourselves even though it's not true. Like, let's say that I truly was the ancestor of a king. Black people, we're not all kings and queens. Just stop it. Anyway, <laughs> I hate that shit. I'm sorry. I hate that shit. I really do. I really do. I really do. I really, really do hate that shit. But that's another discussion. We're, we'll save that for another podcast. But say I was the ancestor of a king, but I come to find out that I'm the ancestor of a king that used to like do horrible things to his people. Well, nine times out of ten, I'm sure you're not gonna be like, yeah, I'm the blood of royalty. My fucking family used to murder innocent people and subjugate them to horrible things. Ain't that cool? No, you're just gonna be like, yeah, I, I am. I have the blood of kings within me. 
and it's kind of what they do, you know. So it's like I get it because you don't want to admit that shit because it just puts a damper on your shit. I get it, but it's very, very like you know, not not right. I wonder if there's anything you can do to, you know, instill that value in people of being able to look at your own, say, family tree more critically. Because <clears throat> one, one of the examples people love to use is that clip of like Anderson Cooper, you know, apparently learning that one of his ancestors was a, uh, I guess, a slave owner. And I guess apparently one of the slaves like revolted and like they killed that guy. And his, his reaction was like, oh, I guess he deserved it. You know, <laughs> like he didn't you know, balk at the idea. It's like, well, he was a slave owner, fuck him. Like, he had a, a certain level of detachment. But to be fair, maybe he was able to be that detached because he just didn't really know that much about his family. <laughs> but it would be nice if you could get that sort of... Yeah, that would be the like, prime reaction that it should be. Because, yeah. Because, yeah, it's fucked up. Like, yo, you're... I remember doing, like, one of those, like you had to like make like a family tree picture or whatever in school. They should have been like, find the bad apples in your family tree. Ooh, that would be an interesting family tree to do. But no. Yeah, uh, like all, the, all the fucking school projects should be so goddamn positive. Like, you know, make them point out some bullshit. Like make them notice there's some shit that happened in their family. But that's the thing too. It's like people fear this. Children are a lot more perceptive and a lot like a lot smarter than you give your children credit for. In fact, I feel like if you teach people at a young age all this shit, they would grow up to be less assholes. Because kids like kids ask questions so they can understand. And that's the thing. The more you sell them, the more they'll be like, but why? But what is this? And so they can actually get a pure understanding. Like, they thirst that knowledge. And I feel like if you gave them this knowledge, then you might have less people growing up to be fucking racist assholes. There's always been this um, assumption of fragility in children. Like, they can't, like, you know, to say talking about like sex ed, like you can't tell the kids this and that. Like, kid. I was told it's stuff about sex, like really fucking young. Like, I can barely, I, I have like a really vague memory of like my mom sitting me down and like talking about it. And, and you know, maybe some of that compulsion was she's a nurse, so she was in the medical field anyway. But like, I don't remember it ruining my life, <laughs> you know? Like, or sometimes you have those parents who, you know, maybe they look at something on Disney and it's like, oh my God, there's like a gay character. What are we going to tell the kids? You're going to tell the kids the motherfucker's gay. Nobody cares. <laughs> kids don't give a shit. <laughs> so many people, especially parents, like freak out about what their kids are going to be exposed to. As though every little thing can suddenly cause your kid to become like a serial killer or like, I don't know, mentally fucked up somehow. Like kids are largely unaffected by a lot of things people are so fucking worried about. Hell, I grew up on Mortal Kombat, and well, by the standards of the time, it was like a violent video game. 
<laughs> that like parents freaked out about. Uh, now, if you try to look at that shit today, you'd be like, this looks low res as fuck. This looks stupid. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's so much of a moral panic around children as if they're like made of glass and easy to break. They're fine. Yeah, um, they, they really are. And again, the younger you teach people things, the better they have to comprehend them and grow and to understand them. Because, yeah, like, I don't know. Teach your kids not to be racist assholes early and then you might not have as much racism. It's a uh, I will say, thing I, to do. I think, and this kind of goes back to my point about controlling the narrative. I think part of the emotional reaction some people are having in opposition to this is this sort of general feeling that like wokeness is taking over the country and you know taking over academia and all that shit so and I, I think this is why Carlson focusing on critical race theory and shit like this is so effective because people are already kind of concerned that you've got like you know this group of like elite liberals fucking going around through universities and saying all this bullshit and making everything super fucking woke and freaking out about every little thing. And I, I think you're getting some conflation there too. So like the general public is already kind of focused on increasing wokeness or whatever in the country. And this talk about critical race theory, I think kind of feeds into that. So, so again, yeah. I, I think that's part of the issue of narrative control is because once you have people like hyper-focused and hyper-sensitive toward a particular thing, that sensitivity alone can cause problems. I think we, we talked about one of the uh, police shootings a couple months ago in which, you know, you could make, you may, maybe you could have made the argument that like the police was wrong to do what they did or whatever, but it wasn't like a crazy racist situation as far as we could tell. Uh, I, think, I, I think it was the one where that guy shot that girl when he came up to their house. Uh, yeah, because they were fighting to come up with a knife. Right. And again, you know, we had like a reasonable discussion as to like, maybe that was wrong or whatever. You know, it, it was a reasonable yeah, like debate. I, from my standpoint, I, I thought that like, it just was another sign of how police are poor, poorly trained. That's just... Sure. <laughs> but I think a lot of people reacted to that. It's just like, obviously yeah, like it was like, racism. Yeah, he clearly was killing this black girl. Right. And I think part of the reason for that is we, we see so much of it in the news now that you kind of get sensitive. Like, as a feeling, you like, I don't know about you, but if I see like images of police or like black people on like a, on an article or something, or I hear about like police shooting or whatever, I do kind of like instinctively go, like instantly, emotionally kind of go to a certain place. I'd like back off and like actually read it through before I start commenting on it. Like, so again, that, that's why I keep harping on conservatives controlling the narrative because them doing that and like keeping people at, at this 11 out of 10 on the emotional scale, I think will help yield results like this sort of like backlash against CRT in schools, which isn't even fucking happening really, but it doesn't matter when people are so fucking on edge about shit like that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um... It's, I don't know, like, so yeah, I, we'll see though. I mean, it's going to be a fight. It's always going to be a fight because 
It's people stupid. People are fucking stupid. Um, but yeah, those are things we're gonna. Oh, Derek Chauvin got sentenced, and this is what I was mentioning earlier about perception being fucked up. So Derek Chauvin finally got sentenced after he failed in winning his appeal to get a new trial. Um, the judge. Now, here's the thing. If you read headlines only, then you are fucked up about this. Because the headlines all said Derek Chauvin sentenced to 22 and a half years for the death of George Floyd. And there's a lot of outcry and rage, you know, talking about the unfairness of the justice system, how sentencing is so unbalanced and blah, blah, blah. But if you actually read the actual sentence, Derek Chauvin was sentenced to a upwards of 75 years um 40 for second degree murder 25 for third degree more murder no i think it's 10 for third degree murder and 25 for involuntary mass slaughter the last two i might get mixed up so forgive me y'all that's a total of 75 years now what the 22.2 in which the cnn article mentions like a paragraph or two in is that the 22.2 is a technical term because the 22.2 is an indication of how many years that he would have to serve at minimum before parole um, is available to him. But, you know, again, you just read these like quick gotcha headlines like apparently so many people in the media are doing. Cause I just literally saw somebody talk about like how it's a shame that a cop for murdering a black person gets sentenced for less time than a black person, you know, selling drugs. And it was a quote unquote woke white person. And this leads to part of the reason why they're so easily able to control the narrative because nobody fucking reads. Had these quote unquote woke people actually read, you wouldn't get this thrown out there so it could be easily dissected. Because it's going to be easily dissected now. Because everybody's just like, you know, 22 years, 22 years, this is fucked up. Defund the police, defund the police. Like, God, he got sentenced 75 years. Unfortunately, our judiciary system is set up that way. Now, do you see more black people serve the majority of their time or all of their time? Yes, because that's a totally another problem. The parole system, you know, has issues. But the same things are allowed, like, fuck, I have family members who've been sentenced to 10-year bids and they only stayed in jail for three years because they were paroled. I, so, you know... That's the way the system is. Is it like, would it be nice if you could make it a way for people who do super serious stuff stay in for longer? Sure. But that's the way the system is. It's like, and who knows? You don't know if he's going to get paroled. I assume he's going to get paroled because, you know, that's just the assumption I take anyway, because that's just naturally. Uh, how it can be, but y'all gotta stop fucking biting for these like goddamn 
headlines, yo, and read. For the love of God, fucking read. I think learning some things about the system too would help because there's sometimes where I I just kind of like stop and I ask you like, can you kind of explain how such and such legal thing works? It's like, I don't know what the standard is. And like, sorry, sometimes I always ask you, I don't know how to look at a certain thing because I don't know what's normal. Yeah, for most people, because they actually explained this. The funny thing is this was actually explained during the trial after he got convicted that he would most likely only have to serve a certain amount. And I've heard people on, that's the funny thing, I've heard people on fucking CNN explain this. So why is CNN doing this? Oh my God. But yes, like there's the legal system, like the parole system is set to where you can, if you serve like a certain amount of time, you get a, you get, everybody gets a chance to be paroled. Um, Even in life sentences, by the way, there's a chance for parole. So it's not uncommon for people not to do their full time. It's not uncommon for the like judiciary system after the review board listens to your, you know, argument during your parole hearing to say, you know what? I think he served enough time. I think he is sufficiently shown that he has learned from his mistake and that he is like willing to go back out into society and be a you know integral part instead of like a fucking you know nuisance or a bad part you know bad seed in society you can go like the only time I think I've never seen that is like well I even think like some people for capital murders get like get that treatment in some cases. But it is more common than you think that people get paroled at a certain point in time for their sentence. So yes, he may just do the 22 and a half years, but he wasn't sentenced to 22 and a half years. I, I do I do think a lot of us get mad without knowing shit like that because like for example uh all the people who believe in the conspiracy theory about like election fraud i think what you saw with a lot of those people because you know they would like take footage of like election workers and shit and something that was pointed out is like i think a lot of you guys just don't know how elections work (laughs) it's like a matter of process yeah which i didn't either but you know i learned some stuff last year too (laughs) as we were trying to figure out how to do it through a pandemic but it's like a lot of people freaking out about shit not realizing that they don't actually know what's normal for an election as far as how to run like until we started seeing all these threats toward these workers it didn't really occur to me that like i barely thought about the idea that there's actual humans who do this work yeah you know like that there's a group of people whose job it is to do this Yeah, I actually was listening to a podcast where somebody, he said that he ended up um, being able to volunteer as an election official. He was like, yo, that shit is fucking tiring. Like being at the polls and doing all that shit. It's like, there's a lot of shit that you got to do. Yeah. I, I don't know how you make people willing to acknowledge they don't know some shit before they talk. But 
But that's the thing. Nice. And like I said, it bothers me because I see like all of these like people in the media or who claim to be experts and like all the screaming about this shit. And it's like y'all are supposed to be people who consider themselves professionals and like the smart people. You know, the you know, the the go to experts and y'all are doing this shit. And it again, it just makes, you know, it I makes know. it so much easier for people to like snipe at liberalism and people who have more liberal sensibilities, period. I do wonder, you know, what people who were like watching out for this trial, what precisely they were, you know, would anything have made them happy? Because I, I think the headline I read earlier was like, you know, this doesn't resolve it for me. And I, I just thought, what were we trying to really resolve here? It's not like sentencing show into like 20 life sentences would have fixed racism. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, you know, justice needed to be served in this case because justice should always be served. But, and, and you know, I think socially, like this trial obviously has like, a lot of importance, but it's not as if getting this one right was going to be the make or break for society here either. And I, I think some people might have been looking at cases like that to give them more than they should be expecting. Some of that's just emotional, like, you know, a lot of us saw what happened and we're very disgusted. So you kind of want this guy to get fucked over because he should get fucked over. But I, I don't know. I, I, maybe people get too emotionally attached to a particular thing without thinking about what exactly they want out of it. To me, yeah. a guy got sentenced, you know, a lot of fucking years. He committed a murder. He didn't get off scot-free. Like, I honestly thought at one point he might, so... <laughs> Like, maybe this shows how much of a fucked up person I am, because like, me personally, I'm thinking, okay, so he's going to, he's going to jail, jail, and he's a cop who murdered, like, a black person, like, with no provocation. Like, he ain't gonna have a good time in jail, y'all. They're not sending him to, as far as I know, they're not sending him to a federal prison. So unless they keep him in isolation... He ain't gonna enjoy his time in prison. Yeah, so it's a lot more a than just the years <laughs> that I'm thinking about. It's like, yo, this is a like cop who's probably done a lot of people fucked up in his career. Like, I'm sh- pretty sure the George Floyd thing isn't the first mark in his like, you know, racial bullshit. So, yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to see like how that, if he just does the 22 and a half years, how that's going to go. Cause I tell you, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be happy. Yeah, yeah. He definitely took it to a darker place than I was going to, so <laughs> kudos on that. I'm just saying, hey. It's, it's a valid point. I guess we shall see how the next 20-some years go for this motherfucker. Um, I hope not to be thinking about this motherfucker 20 years from now, to be honest, but we'll see. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh. Hello. Hey. 
That was interesting. Sorry, folks. Did you get... It actually went down and came back up. Is it recording for you now? Because it said recording stopped for me. Uh, still says recording on my end. So, right. hopefully, yeah, hopefully. I'm gonna <laughs> shut some stuff down just to make sure. I thought that was me for a second. I was like, I just like went to move, like expand the Zoom window. Uh, this <laughs> is gonna be interesting, stopped. guys. If this if this is still continuing. My apologies, because like, yeah, it's like your camera's down on your end. Really? Yeah, uh, it's just black for me. I can see myself. But uh, for me, so it's my end. It definitely is my end. Oof. Well, (laughs) if it's not, you'll just have to like... We just got to like, yeah, I know. Well, I'm checking my internet. Hey, there you are. You're coming back up. So, okay. I just just did you hear that too? Okay, so now it says that we are recording again. So this is gonna be interesting, folks, because we just talked for two hours, and I'm going to be fucking pissed if like it fucking deletes two hours of shit. Ah. <laughs> Hello. Let me see. I hear something happening. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. (laughs) Guys, the internet is going crazy. I don't know what's happening. But I think this is a side (laughs) (laughs) You need to end this soon. Oh my God. Uh. (laughs) all i would say is we focused quite a bit on race issues uh today partially because i just kind of had that on my mind for the last few weeks after some reading and whatnot but uh other things to talk about i'm sure man oh man but yeah i guess we just kind of stumbled into having a theme we could have talked about Kamala Harris getting criticized for not going to the border sooner or whatever, but I thought this would be more fun. Yeah, and we'll get to that stuff soon enough. Um, but I'm thinking we might want to like try to salvage what we can from this and get the hell yeah. out of Dodge. So. Yep. If the, I like how we don't we don't even know if we're being recorded at all. <laughs> right. And as she just says that this is being recorded. Guys, look, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. But this is a crazy end. Like, see, this is what happens when you bring up liberal thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom is a conservative business. Clearly. Apparently. Clearly it is. But okay. We're just gonna end it on this note. Um, as always, you guys. Thank you for listening, watching, all that good stuff. We appreciate you. Hopefully, when I edit together this shit, it'll be okay. If not, we're recording a whole nother podcast again, and you ain't gonna know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, yeah. Yeah.
we might just do Falcon or whatever, <laughs> WandaVision. Yeah, instead. we'll just do that instead and say fuck it. <laughs> Definitely say fuck it. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're back. We will be back. Make sure to check the link for SoundCloud as we are now on SoundCloud now. I am finishing up the last of the uploads for the audio version of this podcast. We got his point of review and some of our other stuff already up. So we are getting our shit together, so to speak. Um, even though the internet's trying to keep us from getting on this evening. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you guys take it easy and we will talk to you next time on The Reason Report. If the internet allows us. Peace.